Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Welcome back, everybody. Katie, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Why, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, this podcast would not be happening without you here. So I know that I'm grateful that you're here. I'm sure our listeners are grateful as well. I hope so. <laughs> I'm super glad to be here. Seriously, it's been a good week. We've had a really good week. It's been a good week uh, and weekend. So it's Monday right now, the time that we're recording this. And we just got back yesterday from traveling up to Washington. Yeah, and that was a... I mean, it wasn't a fun trip, but I mean, parts of it were fun. I yeah. guess it was for Elisha's grandfather's memorial. So obviously there was a lot of weight in that, Yep. but it was really encouraging to spend time with family and it was a really meaningful time. Yes. It was a very emotional trip uh, in a very, you know, there were sad emotions because we were mourning the loss of my grandpa, uh, but there were some really positive emotions. It was just yes, a very emotional yes. weekend. And that's why I... I jumped to saying it was fun, and then I realized that there were definitely elements of it that were heavy and sad. Yes. But, but all in all, it was just a really positive time. Yes. It's, there, it's just, you know, you get to evaluate life at such a, on such a deeper level when somebody in, you know, in your family or close to you passes, and uh, that can be a very good thing. It can be just setting your mind on things above and not on things of this earth, mm-hmm. and uh, that usually, usually, for me, results in a very edifying I guess, result, you know, you're like, wow, I'm really glad I went through that mourning process. And it reminds you of what matters. Yes. I mean, you were saying tonight, what, 44 or 45 people were involved in putting on Grandpa Corwin's funeral. They got yeah. up and shared that were family members. And to me, that was just so powerful because it reminds you of what's really important in life are those relationships yeah. and the lives you touch here on earth. So that's right. Um, which actually kind of transitions into what we're talking about in today's episode. Yeah, we are talking about in-law relationships. And I mean, I feel like ever since I did an interview with my mother-in-law on YouTube, people have asked, how do you have a good relationship with your mother-in-law? And first of all, it's because Lisa's incredible. (laughs) Um, She's had a lot more experience in having relationships with daughters-in-laws. And so I think she's been really gracious and patient with me as I'm learning to navigate that space and having an extra mother-in-law or extra mother. And she has just been really, really amazing. And I hope to just continue to grow our relationship over the years. Yeah. I think we're both excited to talk to this. I know that Katie and I are in agreement when we say that we're coming at this topic from loving our in-law relationships. Yes. I mean, I know that I love your family and I know that you love my family. We don't just love them. We think highly of them and we enjoy them and we have fun with them and we look forward to the time. And really respect them. them and how they've raised their families. And that's a really rare thing. Yeah, it is. So I do think that once again, our experience 
is not going to, uh, I guess, apply or relate with everybody. But I do think that a lot of the points that we're drawing out um, are, are applicable to anybody. In- yeah, and I think that's something. I had a gal reach out to me this week on Instagram asking about in-law relationships for being newly married. And Elisha and I have been married just under three years now. And so it's not like we have a ton of experience with this. But at the same time, every single person does have, to some extent, relationships with in-laws. Yes, that's right. And so I think that is something most of us can relate on in one mm-hmm. way or another. That's right. And I know that within Katie and I's immediate circle of friends, a lot of them are first generation Christians. And so the in-law situation becomes that more that much more complicated because mm-hmm. maybe their parents um, or their parents-in-laws are not believers. And so they've got a totally different set of values from one another. And that just, once again, creates a a whole new, I guess, set of problems. But what is, I guess, constant throughout all of our friends within our circle and the people that we've, I guess, seen is that they do interact with their in-laws at one point or another, whether that's annually, biannually, or whether, once again, just being at my family or my grandfather's memorial service, there are going to be funerals. There's going to be weddings where you're going to kind of have to interact with your in-laws. And uh, what's interesting is that that's, that's just how it's always going to be. They're always going to be there. And the reality of that, I think it was easy for me to see the reality of that early on because I looked forward to my in-laws being around long-term and being there kind of forever. Uh, But I know with different people close to me, they kind of dreaded that. And it was a big deal for them to come to the realization that, boy, it's not just about getting through this holiday season because there's always next holiday season. And I think that once I know some of my friends, once they shifted in their mindset to just kind of this survival mode, of, okay, well, you know, it's a wedding, so we'll go and I'll get along with my mother-in-law and then it'll be over. But it's never over because there's always the next holiday season. There's always the next family reunion or the next family function. And that really, I know with my friends, it really shifted their mindset to more of a growth mindset. So instead of thinking, okay, just get through this family interaction time, they were really thinking about planting and growing that relationship for the long term. So I do think that it is pretty important to come to the realization that they are going to be there long term. They are going to be there forever. And so whether you like it or not, you can make the most of it. And I think that you're only in control of your own actions. You're only in control of your own mindset and your own attitude towards the relationship, but that's actually a huge part of it. It's 50% of it. And so therefore you can really influence how that relationship is going to unfold throughout your married life. And uh, once again, I've, I've seen some awesome examples of that, especially recently this year, especially where I've seen some close friends really start to cultivate um, good in-law relationships, you know, with their mother-in-law or their father-in-law or even brother and sisters-in-law um, that weren't that weren't very positive, but then they realized, hey, these are long-term. Let's start to grow. Let's start to build into these. And although we have had incredible families, there's always people you don't get along with. And realizing that family's there forever, not just with in-laws, but with aunts and with uncles, and you can't control who your siblings marry or... You know, even if you get along with 
certain siblings. That's right. Personality types are different. I know there's some of Elisha's siblings too that I just instantly connect with and some that I think we both have to just like work more to come up with stuff to talk about and how to stay connected. Yes. And it's the same thing with aunts or uncles on my side. But I think one thing my dad always really encouraged and I was able to see him live this out with his in-laws and with his, um, I think I just had really good examples with both my parents, I guess, working on their in-law relationships, some harder than others, is that they are always going to be there. And so never throw the baby out with the bathwater, never put a mark on a relationship and say, that's done. I'm just going to survive now. And I've watched my parents go through some pretty hurtful relationships and keep loving that person and keep trying to win them over. And I think that's just been a really inspiring testimony for me because I don't know, like I mentioned, just, you know, who all even Elisha's siblings are going to marry or my siblings. That's right. It goes so much further beyond just our parents. And the more people you have in a family, the more chances you have of having negative relationships too. You're so right. As many of you probably already know, I'm one of 10 children and Katie's one of 11 children. And so there's obviously the immediate in-laws, Katie's 10 siblings that now become my in-laws, but then they're going to, most of them most likely are all are going to have spouses. And uh, Katie's first sister, Kyla got married. And fortunately I love, Oh, Adam's great. He's the man. Like, <laughs> I just love Adam. And uh, similarly with my siblings, I love all of my in-laws. Uh, so far, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. because, and there's still what five that are unmarried in yeah. my family. And so it's a huge blessing that I get along really well and really admire and respect all my in-laws, but that's not always guaranteed. It's really not. I have no idea how it's going to go, uh, going forward, but they're always going to be there regardless. Yeah. And so I just think when it comes to communicating, especially I want to focus on when you're communicating with your parents, because I think how we communicate with our parents can really set up our spouse for how they are seen in our parents' eyes. And whether or not you have a good relationship with your parents or with your spouse's parents or whatever, it is so easy to slip and communicate in a negative way or in a singular way, I guess, about your spouse and set them up to be the bad guy Hmm. without ever expecting to do that. And so I think one thing that's really helped me is always communicating emotions or concerns of Elisha's using the terms us and we when it comes to communicating with my parents and around sensitive subjects. Or I never just say, oh, you know what, Elisha wants this or Elisha thinks this. I just don't do that when it comes to talking to my parents because I don't, I want them to see us as a unit. Yes. And if Elisha has a concern, it's my concern. Yes. And I think of that with, you know, this is something simple, but Elisha really was, you know, rightly concerned about Leon's safety. I have a lot of little siblings still running around and he said, Hey Katie, when you drop Leon off at your parents' house, I want you to make sure that he does not go into the backyard without an older child there. And he specified, you know, what age he was comfortable with caretaking Leon in the backyard because there's a pond there and he didn't want him to fall in the pond. Yep. And my family's really comfortable around the pond. And so Leon had just been out there and instead of going to my family and just saying, Hey guys, you know, I'm leaving, I'm dropping Leon off to be babysat. And Elisha doesn't want Leon in the backyard without Kimmy or older watching him. I said, and we don't want Leon in the backyard without, you know, Kimmy or older watching him because we really want him to be safe. And obviously I want Leon to be safe too, but that wasn't a specific concern of mine. 
it was something Elisha really wanted. And I think that's a way that we can honor our husbands or our wives um, by just using those terms as this is a group decision when it comes to our kids sleeping over at a grandparent's house or watching a certain movie, or I think it gets a lot more complicated with kids um, because you want to, you want to make those decisions. And even if you love the way your parents raised you, you might not want your kid to, you know, watch something all the other cousins are watching or go someplace that all the other cousins are comfortable going with. And so I think Elisha and I have to communicate those boundaries even to our parents who we really agree with and respect. Yes, exactly. And I, I really do feel honored when you do communicate it in, you know, that we and the us, because like we've already discussed, we are one. And so we need to start communicating as though we're one. Even if you maybe personally do not feel the same concern or the same conviction, if your spouse does, then that's you too, because you are one. And that really can go into so many different categories. It can go into, like I said, convictions or fears or concerns. And when you, when you communicate that to your own parents, I think it's, it is so crucial to communicate as a team, to talk, talk mm-hmm. about your spouse. Even if it's their concern, you sit, you take that ownership of, no, this is our concern and we want it to be this way. Because sometimes it is comforting to, for whatever reason, have your parents take your side, or even if you don't disagree with your spouse, have them see it as like, well, this isn't like my problem. Like I'm not being high maintenance. It's my spouse, Yeah, you know, and and we just don't want to put our spouses in that position. That's right. And that really should go with communicating about your spouse or about decisions you've, your spouse would like to make with anybody, not just your family. You do want to speak as a team and as a unit. Like you said, it might not even be speaking badly about them or putting them down, but it does leave room for the hearer to yes. kind of infer some negative things about about the spouse. Yes, and you don't want to you don't want to do that or worry that there's a gap or yeah, or that you're maybe not united yeah in, in a certain area. And I think that when there are issues, I, I, this is this is for me, and I know that we're in agreement on this. When there are issues that arise with with in laws, and believe it or not, even though Katie and I highly respect our in-laws and we love them and we enjoy them and we've got great relationships with them. We, we, we've got friendships with them. They are our best friends. Your best friends mm-hmm. are your sisters and my best friends are my brothers um, and my family, you know, my, and my dad. Our parents. Yeah, yeah, our parents for sure. Um, and so we love them. But We are using the term in-law here loosely too, but we are speaking mainly about our parents. Yeah. But we're throwing in our siblings too yeah. because those are relationships that are affected by That's us. right. Um, and so even though Katie and I love those relationships, there have been some issues that have arisen over our first three years of marriage where they've needed to be addressed because obviously once you're married, you are your own unit, you are your own family. And so you are going to adopt and develop some of your own convictions and your own vision and your own MO for life. And I do think that when you feel like you're kind of being attacked um, or attacks kind of an aggressive word, but maybe you're trying, you're being a little bit criticized or your, your privacy is being infringed upon and you feel like something needs to be addressed, I do think it's so important for the husband as the head of the home to address it with either side of the either side of the family, especially with with his parents. I mean, if it's his parents that you kind of feel like you're feeling some unnecessary pressure from. And when Elisha says you feel, this might just be something the wife is feeling. 
Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I have just felt certain things. Right. And Elisha has not felt them, but he's communicated on our behalf. Exactly. And I've seen this happen more times than not where the wife does feel pressured in a certain area or does feel some sort of guilt or anxiety about an in-law relationship. And I think it's so important that even if the husband doesn't feel that, for him to go to bat for her, once again, speaking as we, speaking as us, but he needs to be the one to initiate the conversation to address whatever the issue is. And it can be, you know, maybe just family pressures for holidays. You know, there's maybe expectations to show up a certain number of days for whatever the holiday is. Um, I I can think of another example uh, that you and I lived through where it was actually on your side. It was, it was your daddy. We love, we love Katie's father and he's a very spontaneous guy. And Katie does work for him from time to time. He's a lot like Elisha and I, and that he's spontaneous, he's spontaneous. And, uh, and Katie is great at developing different, making movies for him or creating graphics for him. And, uh, and so he'll have kind of a last minute idea and he'll come to Katie and, be, and ask her if she can mock something up uh, within the next, you know, 12 hours. And he said, Hey, can you make me a quick video for, for this that I'm going to, cause I'm going to try to send it to so-and-so and Katie's loved working for him in the past working yes. at that rate. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love working with my dad. It's really fun. But there was a season in our life where I think you were pregnant with Lucy or you had just had Lucy. I can't remember which one it was. I think I had just had Lucy. So we had just yeah. had our second child and there was a couple times in a row where your where your daddy Chad came to you with some projects and you kind of felt obligated to take them. Because... And that was totally just on me. Right. For sure. Right. And I think that's actually what the problem was is you were like, well, you you continue. <laughs> sure. Sure. And so basically I could see the pressure that it was putting on Katie because she didn't want to let her dad down. But at the same time, she had some responsibilities, obviously, here here at home with having two children and a husband to love and to care for. And so I was the one that talked to your dad about that. I just called him up. It was a really awesome conversation because your dad is more than supportive of our, I guess, you know, independence and us being our own unit. Yes. And I basically had to say, like, you know, two words. Or, I mean, I had to say it a couple more than two words. But I basically (laughs) just communicated that, hey, Katie loves working for you and doing projects for you. But for the next, you know, season, for the next three months, maybe don't bring any projects to you, to her unless you've got a longer de- uh, deadline, unless the deadline's like a week out versus 12 hours out because it was just bringing a lot of stress to our family. And I felt like that was really important for me to take the lead on that and to communicate as we and us uh, because it was bringing stress to our home. And I felt like I was the head of the home. Yeah, and I just love that. Elisha, as the head of the home, he is the protector of our family. And he was protecting me from my desire to overcommit. It wasn't even necessarily my dad because my dad wasn't putting any pressure on me. He was just giving me an opportunity to do something. And Elisha knew that I loved doing those opportunities, but they caused a lot of stress in our home. And so in order to protect me, we obviously had a conversation about it. And he just called my dad, letting him know that Hey, just don't bring these projects to Katie because she's going to say yes. And then it's going to throw us into like being stressful. And it wasn't really fair, you know, for my dad because it wasn't his fault. Right. You know, but I just really, um, I guess I respect and I'm so thankful that Elisha's always gone to bat for our family and that he protects us. Even if that needs to be, I need to be protected from my own, you know desires sure. <laughs> ambition ambition or yeah exactly yeah that's right and i know there, there's actually even been a couple times with with my family as well 
where you've been uncomfortable with something and I've not seen it as an issue because maybe I grew up that way. And I think that yes. that's, that's so common because obviously you grow up the way that you grow up. And so therefore your family's MO is normal to you. And so when your spouse all of a sudden has an issue with it, it's really easy to let that kind of divide the two of you and to communicate to your family like, oh, well, Katie doesn't like doing that or Katie isn't comfortable with that. And once again, that communicates such uh, negativity to to your family versus unity. I want to always communicate unity and obviously not only just see it from my spouse's perspective, but realize by her being uncomfortable we are uncomfortable with it because we are a team and we are one and we are a unit and then communicating it that communicating it that way to your family. And it's setting your spouse up for failure because if they want a healthy relationship, then they're going to have to fight against those negative things that are thought about them. And anytime you put your spouse in a position that is negative or stressful or hard, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like we've done that, right. which I'm really, really grateful for. Mm-hmm. We've sometimes had those hard conversations before we've communicated, yeah. where you're trying to see from my point of view. For instance, yeah, there have been certain conversations we've had that have taken many conversations to work through because you needed to be able to see from my perspective in order to communicate from a place of unity. Yeah, yeah. Because that's true. I just seemed so far off to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had to continue to communicate those emotions. It's not like your spouse is instantly always going to agree with your emotions and feel like they're worth communicating, you know, (laughs) and, and you really did give me the time of day and listened to me and heard me out, but sometimes it can take a lot of conversations and that's just a part of growing in unity. Hmm. I feel like Hmm. you're totally right. But I think too, just speaking as a woman, There is sometimes that desire to ask for counsel or prayer or help or a shoulder to cry on from your parents if you have a close relationship with them. And this can happen for guys or girls, obviously. But I think the two kind of in-law relationships you have are either the in-laws where you don't really want them a part of your life, they've hurt you, you're trying to just mend the relationship, but you aren't just going to hang out with them. Or you have those really close relationships like Elisha and I have where our parents were confidants and they are the people we want to go to for counsel and to seek help. And I think it is so, so important that if you are going to do that, to always ask permission from your spouse and be very clear on what you are going to speak to your parents on. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's a, a a subject of substance where you're going to seek counsel. And if you don't, I think, consult with your spouse first, that's not very fair. No, that's completely inappropriate in a relationship. It's in a marital relationship. If I'm going to my mom and being like, I need help for prayer because Elisha, blah, 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 whatever it is and whatever I'm feeling in the moment, because, you know, Elisha and I have our disagreements, that's inappropriate and outside of the bounds of a healthy marriage relationship. In my opinion, I think that's just tearing down your unity and marriage is such an intimate, sacred place. If you want your husband like I do to open up to me, to trust me, to be able to share what he's going through, to be able to share and be open about everything, then they need to know that it's a safe place and I'm not running to my mom and being like, Oh my goodness, guess what? Blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah. You know, it can come from a gossipy standpoint or we can over spiritualize gossip. And I've seen this before too, with not only moms, but with close girlfriends where you go to talk about your husband in a way that is tearing them down ultimately and not speaking well of them. Sure. Yeah. You You know, in terms of like, I need prayer because we aren't agreeing about this or whatever, you know, and you don't have your spouse, your spouse's permission to speak to those things. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you and your spouse, I think that you've done a good job of this at one point where I can remember very clearly where you and I did have a disagreement and you wanted to talk to your mother about it. And you asked me, if, if you could talk to your mom about it. Yeah. Elisha and I hadn't been seeing eye to eye on something specific. And I didn't know if it was my issue or his issue. I was really confused. And I think Elisha was just probably tired of me crying like every night for two weeks for like no reason. <laughs> I literally cannot even remember what it was about. Sure. I think I was just hormonal. Um, but that said, I really felt like I needed to talk it out with someone and just be like, am I crazy? Is he crazy? What should I do? What should he do? Like, I just needed to talk it out. And it seemed like such a huge issue at the time. And I can't even remember what it was, but Elisha was like, yeah, I think that would be healthy for you. Yeah. And he gave me his full permission to just go say whatever I needed to say to my mom. And what's funny is after I had a really good cry with my mom, I think that was the end of the issue. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Well, I should let you go talk to your mom more often no, then if we have disagreements. Stop. stop. It's, and it, you know, asking, per, you, when we use the phrase asking permission, it almost sounds so rigid and like it's rules based, but it is seeking that oneness and, and I guess seeking that unity first and foremost, because disagreements are going to arise. And when you're in those moments of emotion, you know, when your emotions are running high and you feel that you, that your spouse is an adversary, all of a sudden you need to have some, I guess, guidelines in place so that you don't further damage the relationship or further hurt the trust for future disagreements. Uh, because obviously when there's a disagreement in a marriage, it's two sided. And so when you, without, I guess the, you know, the blessing of your spouse, go and share your side of a disagreement with, with us, you know, we're talking about in-laws, maybe with your parents, but that really goes for anybody. If you're going to a pastor or you're going to your girlfriends or the ladies Bible study and talking about sensitive issues without your husband, I guess, giving you the blessing of, yeah, I want to grow in this too. I, I really want to work through this. And then let's, let's talk, let's seek counsel. And that's really even being more divisive oftentimes. Yeah. And it just, it would tear down our relationship. And I am so grateful that I don't feel like you or I have had to rebuild trust in that area. Mm-hmm. Election, and I have broken each other's trust in different areas and it's hard to build back. Yeah. It takes time and it takes so much effort. And so we don't want to be constantly doing that when it comes to our parents. Yes. And then not only do we have to build each other's trust back up, but we have to build up our parents' perception of us and their perception of our spouse, which is yeah. hard to do. It's just, it becomes complicated. <laughs> That's right. And I think it is a part of the process of leaving and cleaving. And that's something that obviously is, is in the Bible and people want to do it, but it doesn't, I don't think I've experienced it happening overnight. Uh, I know that when I got married to you, I knew that we were our own family and I knew that we are now Elisha and Katie Votberg, but I still remember our first trip uh, up to my family's house as a married couple. And we were staying next door at my grandma's house. Was, was that when we came home from our honeymoon or was that? No, this was a couple weeks later. Okay. Yeah. We went back up there yeah. and I just so quickly resorted back to, 
I guess, kind of the habits and the routines that I had as a single man living at my family's house, which meant staying up really late, you know, leaving the house with my brothers at, at like 1130 PM to go play basketball, you know, at the gym in town with not, with not really even asking you if it was all right, just telling you, just saying, Hey, we're going to go around and play basketball. And I that, think there are a couple of things you didn't even tell me because, which makes sense, like going and doing a Burgerville run or sure. because you weren't used to like reporting to someone, yeah, you know, that's right. But, and it's not, I didn't, I wasn't that she demanded me getting her permission. It's that we were a, we were a team. We were one and I wasn't even communicating with my better, you know, my better half or the other part of our team here. And that really took time and you being gracious and patient with me to work through, I guess, acting like I used, like I acted as a single man with my family. And again, I think that whether or not you come from a strong family that's, uh, you know, Christian and, and, and full of the faith or a dysfunctional family, uh, that's not as, you know, that's not very Christian. You do resort to some of your old ways and that's not always fair to your spouse. And it's definitely not acting as one or it's not, it's not leaving and cleaving. And when Elisha said I handled it with grace and I don't even know what else he said, it meant like crying and getting mad at him and having conversations late into the night where he's like, what is your problem lady? You know, it wasn't, I guess when, what I want to say by that is it wasn't a natural process. Yeah. It takes effort and intentionality to create your own family yep. and create your own unit. Yep. And it's like Elisha said, just because we were married doesn't mean we knew how to act married. Yeah. And so we had to live into that. And I had to learn to be gracious with that process and he had to learn to be gracious with me and over communicate and put up with you know me being emotional about certain things that it was kind of bizarre that I was emotional about mm -hmm. probably to him and so I just think I guess it's really normal I feel like most couples probably go through it and especially if you have really strong-knit family cultures yeah or it could even be with your friends. It doesn't yeah. have to be with your family. Right. If you're just used to having, I think we had that with friends too. Yes. Where there were MOs with guys nights or I, I didn't have any friends. <laughs> All my friends are out of state or my family, but I think there's just that process of leaving and cleaving. And I guess the first six months of our marriage had a lot of learning Yep. in that area. Yep. And uh, I think, you know, depending on where you live geographically in relation to your family, I think that plays a role in all of it. But I do know that just the sooner you can act as one, as a new unit, you are, you now have started your own family. And when you can start acting that way in practical ways, pra in practical ways, I think it can really solidify your marriage and bring and give confidence to your spouse that you will prioritize her in every situation and that you do view her as you know your family your your spouse your companion for life and uh, i think that really has brought a lot of trust into our marriage even though it's been a process over the last three years and i'm sure it will continue to be a process as you know our our, our marriage grows and in-laws are added to the family and and uh yeah and, and life goes on yeah family dynamics are constantly changing so we never want to speak from oh we've arrived and our relationships are great because relationships are in a constant influx of growth and and you take steps back sometimes yep and i think in-laws in dealing with in-laws it's really hard to draw hard and fast rules as to how it's supposed to be because the bible doesn't speak very clearly of it other than saying you are to leave and cleave 
But then when that starts getting played out practically, it's going to look different for every couple. And so we can really only speak to our personal experience Mm -hmm. and speak to the areas that we feel like we need to grow in or speak to the areas that we feel like we have grown in. But I know it's, it's going to be so different with people that don't have believing in-laws or they've got hurt relationships, um, on their, on one side or the other. Um, and I I think that when you've got just a growth mindset of, Hey, we're going to do this together as a team, then you can, then you can go forward. Cause I mean, I think Katie and I have actually probably received criticism on kind of the other side of people assuming that we haven't, uh, you know, left and cleaved, we haven't left and cleaved our families. And I think that's because we genuinely like our families. You know, we do find friendships within our families fulfilling and meaningful. And I think that's a huge blessing as well. Yeah, but I would say too, anytime you're dealing with a relationship, it's a live thing. And so hurt happens. Hurt happens in the best relationships. And I know I've offended probably all of my closest relationships and been offended by all of them too. And so regardless of how good of friends or I guess I just want to make it really clear that every relationship is going to walk through hard times where mm-hmm. you're going to have to choose that relationship where I have to choose to continue to grow that relationship with my own parents and with Elisha's parents. That's right. And they are going to have to continue to choose to accept me. Yeah, because they were just going to be there forever. Yeah. They're not and, going but away. But it's just not, regardless of how good the relationship is, I guess, um, there are those variables. Yes. And and hurt happens and pain happens. And you have to walk through that regardless. Yes. And so just one thing I just want to say, regardless of how <laughs> your relationship or our relationship is with our in-laws, a really good rule of thumb for us is to always build up each other when we're around our parents and obviously this is a good thing to do whenever you're around anybody is just build up your spouse and but i think it's so important with family i think because we can let our guard down with family and we can be casual with family you feel like you could say anything around certain family members and that's just not the case it needs to be your spouse always needs to be portrayed in a positive light. And that goes through my head all the time with Elisha. Elisha is really easy to speak positively about. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest there. He really is. But there have been times when I've caught myself and I've chosen to not say something to my family because it would portray Elisha in a negative light. And I never want to do that. And I mean, never, I never want to put Elisha in that position because that's, that's hurting us. It is. That's right. And I know I'm blessed by being the recipient of that attitude. And I certainly want to do the exact same thing. And I aim to do that, you know, whether you're in front of your spouse or not with your spouse, just speaking highly of them in a positive light to, you know, we're talking about in-laws, we're talking about family, but really to anybody. I never want to tear Katie down or speak anything that sounds remotely close to negative about Katie in front of other people. Because obviously I think Katie's amazing and I think she's incredible. But even, even if you do have something in, in that, you know, which we have something in our marriage that we've been in the process of working through, or there's been some resentment built mm-hmm. up, it is so damaging to your long-term trust and your long-term relationship when you speak about that or you speak poorly of your spouse in those moments. And this sounds so simple, but I very rarely hear someone just speak well of their spouse, even in Christian circles in 
yeah, circles I'm in, I hear a lot of people speaking ill of their spouses and in the world, a lot of humor is based around that. A lot of like, Oh, all the girls get together and talk about how, you know, their husband just isn't understanding them. All the guys get together, talk about, I don't know the ways we annoyed them (laughs) cause you know, you do. (laughs) Um, but I am just so grateful that I trust Elisha when he goes out and when he talks with a just guy group, I'm a hundred percent confident that he's not bashing me or that if someone else is bashing their wife, Elisha doesn't say, Oh yeah, Katie does that too. She, you know, aggravates me this way. I just feel like he's going to speak highly of me Mm -hmm. and in every situation, which is really, really a huge blessing. Yep. It really is speaking life into your marriage, into your own marriage, which is obviously benefiting both people involved because you are one flesh and nobody hates his own flesh as the Bible says. All right. Should we call that? Should we call it a night, Katie? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I don't have anything else to share. Um, and like I said, I just feel like this is a subject when a gal reached out to me on Instagram and mentioned that she was having these struggles with her in-laws. She felt really alone in that. Mm. And I don't think that that's something anyone should feel alone with alone in you we deal with different levels of communicating with our in-laws but it's always a learning process and it's a new experience when new personalities get together and try to separate Mm. and change that's right and there's always a growth curve and change yes and so i just don't want anyone to think they're alone but just i really want to view any challenge in life as a growth curve yes and we're going to continue trying to grow and we're never going to give up trying to grow in our relationships That's right and when you have the mindset of growing together then it can really forge your marriage uh to be even stronger mm-hmm. I think. all right well that was fun katie i love your insight i always love your insight <laughs> <laughs> these are really fun podcasts to do because i do feel like we sit down we each write out what we want to say and then it's like oh that's what you were thinking about that's cool yeah cool but we're gonna call it a night you guys so thank you for listening and uh please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and if you haven't already or if you don't already know we've got a youtube channel it's now that we're a family and katie's on instagram and now that i'm a mother and i am on instagram and now that i'm a father so if you guys want to follow us on other platforms you can do that or of course you can just go to now that we're family.com and see everything that we're doing there well folks have an awesome day thanks for listening and well you'll be hearing from us next week bye-bye <laughs>